0: Select 5, a show where you get to know creatives and community builders from the Bay Area and beyond through a lively conversation about five songs that matter to them. As usual, this is your host, Pam Torno, and I wanted to present a very unusual episode that's very special to us, because we're celebrating an important milestone, both for this podcast and for our very good friends at Barshiru. Now, at the time of this recording, it is February 2024, and it was five years ago this month. bar shiru first opened its doors to the public becoming the first hi-fi vinyl listening bar in the bay area now if you're a loyal listener you know that the bar is where we record every episode of select five and in fact it's the place where the very idea for this podcast was born its owners dan gar and shereen razagar have been our creative partners since the very beginning so naturally we wanted to do something special to commemorate the bar's five-year anniversary uh, so, we invited friends, supporters, and a few of our past guest selectors to Bar Shiru on a rainy Sunday afternoon and did our very first podcast recording in front of a live audience. And I got to talk to Dan and Shireen about five songs that represent their five year journey since the bar's launch in February 2019. And what a journey it's been. So, here's a recording of that live conversation we had earlier this month, slightly edited for brevity and clarity.
1: Enjoy.
2: Hello. 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 It's good to be here.
1: I'll bet. So first of all, Dan and Shereen, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's wild. It is wild. I was going to ask you, does it feel like five years? How have you experienced time?
2: <laughs> I mean, I was just talking to uh, Mike earlier and uh, and many people over the last week and For many reasons, including the time-space warp that the pandemic has wrought upon all of us, it feels like just yesterday and a hundred years ago, all at the same time, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like it just, it feels like, yeah, very recent that we opened our doors for the first time and also, um, you know, it's been such a wild and uh, interesting and amazing journey that it feels like there's been a lot of time that's passed as well.
3: I would concur with that. I think, you know, when we were picking the songs, it was funny. We were, like, starting to go through the, like, sequence of time and the albums and songs that reminded us us, us of the, like, moments in this space. And it was interesting because, like, 2022 is just, like, a complete black hole for me. I don't remember anything. I don't remember any music from You it. and
1: everyone in this room. Yeah, like, it <laughs> was,
3: and it was strange because we were reopening the bar and getting our groove. Um, but the... You know, I would say the last six months at the bar has been really um, heartwarming and refreshing because we've started to see a lot of the people that used to come here during the first year become regulars again. Nice. A lot of friends that we hadn't seen in a while have kind of started to poke their heads in after work or whatever. Um, and it just really feels like all of those kind of, like, memories of starting in the place and kind of getting it to where it needed to be or starting to, like... We're starting to remember that again, if that makes sense, it after doesn't... a quite tumultuous and hard few years, I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the challenge of being a small business
1: uh, in the, anywhere, actually, uh, but especially in the Bay Area, I know we have our real problems, and then we also have uh, a lot of ill-perceived ideas of what it's actually like to be here, and I know that you've fought against that a lot. Um, I think it's really easy for people to get down uh, and easy for people to give up. But uh, what what keeps you going? What keeps what what makes you stay?
2: I mean, honestly, we've been so lucky to be embraced by and um, buoyed by the community for the entire five years and and even before opening. you know, the people that come in here and engage with the space the way that we kind of intended it to be is still remarkable and surreal and, and, uh, you know, just one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. Um, you know, the ability to connect with other people that you don't know, or, you know, that you are, um, recently acquainted with over the transcendent power of music is a very special thing. And, to see people come in and and continually do that night after night, new people, regulars, um, and express their gratitude for the space and to uh, just kind of continually come back and uh, keep us going is a big reason why we started this why we wanted to to build the space in Oakland, why we wanted to build the. THE BUSINESS OVERALL AND CERTAINLY THROUGH THE LAST FIVE YEARS THAT HAS um, BEEN THE KIND OF CONSISTENT THEME IS JUST BEING HELD UP BY THE COMMUNITY.
3: I WOULD ALSO ADD TO THAT, I MEAN, ONE OF THE THINGS THAT I LOVE ABOUT THIS CITY IN PARTICULAR IS THAT IT HAS A SPIRIT OF PERSEVERANCE BUT ALSO INNOVATION AS TO HOW YOU PERSEVERE AND ORGANIZE around. You know, surviving and and kind of changing things for the better and getting through the hard times. And that has been a pretty consistent thread through the space where, like, music is the thing that's brought us all together and kind of created those connections. But whether it's our, you know, the people that choose to work here or our small business kind of food and beverage community, um, all of the artists that come in for selecting, and, but also just you know working with the city and activists and nonprofits. It's like there is just a common thread of like, there's a problem, we refuse to accept that that's the end and we're gonna fix it together. So I think that's, this has become kind of a anchor point for that spirit for me. Um, and it's been what's carried me through in those kind of times where I'm like, oh, my God, could it get anywhere? (laughs) Um, And, you know, we're privileged to have it be really great and have that counterpoint because it's like if I am having a really tough day where, like, everything from the dishwasher breaking to the schedule being a mess has happened, I know that I can come here and inevitably someone's going to come in and remind me of why we opened the place in the first place.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Oakland remains and has been – I think for many periods over the last sixty years, the heart and soul of the Bay Area, culturally, musically, uh, just across the board. So to to be able to you know be a small part of that and hopefully be able to strengthen that and perpetuate that in in you know on on the small scale that we can as a as a singular entity in in this community is like you know that's a, that's another driving factor for sure. Like we are not going to give in to the, the pervading narrative in, in media and, you know, it's been heartening over the last few weeks, just um, talking to people in the community, talking to other business owners. And there does seem to be this sense of, you know what we're cautiously, but hopefully optimistic about the year to come and beyond because we know that there's too many talented, creative, resourced people in this city and in this region to have it go any other way. Like we we may have hit rock bottom and there are enormous problems to solve and we are not turning away from those. We are, you know, acknowledging that with the understanding that we can and will do better, but we can't only do it together.
1: Yeah. Those are important reminders. So you've obviously been in it. It's been five years. You're out here. You're part of the community. Is there anything that surprised you about being in the hospitality industry and being doing this for as long as you have now?
2: I mean, honestly, like we've been super surprised and um, heartened by the level of camaraderie within the hospitality community in terms of like other people who own businesses, other people who are starting businesses or wanting to start businesses. Um, You know, I think there's this perception that, oh, another bar means competition for you. And like, don't you need to like, you know, aren't they your yeah competitors? And it's like, no, I mean, that's, that is not the mentality of pretty much everyone we've encountered in, in the F and B space in Oakland. It is very much like how can we all make this, better together yeah. and you know the the adage you know rising tide lifts all boats is like it's real you know and it's like one of the one of the ways in which we can you know breathe life back into Oakland is to go out and be in these commercial corridors and go out and support these other small businesses because that's how you change the perception that's how you change the reality as well so i think just yeah, just the community vibe amongst people who are in this space has been uh, been surprising.
3: Yeah. I think I've been surprised that uh, I grew up extremely shy. Uh, I'm a secretly so socially awkward. Um, I have a lot of panic attacks at the host stand. But I've been, <laughs> I've been surprised at, like, what a social butterfly I actually am and how many new friends I've made through this place. Like, it's kind of crazy to think you're getting closer to 40. I'm now in my 40s officially. Um, and making new best friends, you know? Just, like, you don't think that's going to happen to you later in life. Um, so I think that's been the most surprising part is just, like, just, I don't know, just having so much more company um, yeah. around, especially as you get older and kind of like people move away and friends get busier. It's just, it's nice to know that, you know, I've always got someone to gossip with.
2: <laughs> well, and I think that's that, that theme speaks to like why it's important to go out and be with people because it's like yeah. you meet different people, you have interesting conversations, you widen your perspective, you break down your bias, like it's just it's a perpetually good thing and it can only lead to good things by being out with people and like being, you know, in community, you know, I think that's, you're going to hear that word a lot from us today, because I think that's such a major part of what this place is and, and why we're still here and hopefully why we'll be here for another, you know, one thousand years.
3: Yeah, let's hope so. If you live that long, I hope you live that long. It'll be an artificially uh, intelligent bar by that time.
1: <laughs> That's fine. I'll be dead. Um, it actually surprises me that you said that you think you're shy because I don't. I don't think of you that way at all. Uh, do you? Do you all want to talk about some music? All right, let's talk about music. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about uh, song number one. Um, which, and I have a prop. I have a prop to show you. Song number one comes from this album from Herbie Hancock. It's called Maiden Voyage, uh, 1965 blue note. That's all I will say because I want you all to talk about the
3: song that you chose from I'm song. actually going to pass to Dan on this one because the, the story behind it is just a black hole in my mind. <laughs> I don't remember anything from that day at all. <laughs>
2: This one is like, it's a little, it's a little on the nose and we knew that kind of going in, but, uh, Maiden Voyage was the first album we played, uh, when we opened the doors. So first album ever, uh, played for public performance at, uh, Bar Shiru and the title track Maiden Voyage is the first track on it. It felt so right because, uh, you know, this is our first hospitality venture. It was our first night. It was a first in so many different ways that it just felt perfect. And the, the song itself too is, you know, that kind of perfect blend of it's, it's upbeat. It's, it's, it's a beautiful composition, but it's also got that tinge of kind of melancholy and nostalgia that I think is like, you know, a, a, a really, um, key factor in a lot of different pieces of music that that only music can provide in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. at least in my experiences over the last four and a half decades, is its ability to convey so many emotions in, you know, a four-bar melody or, you know, harmonics or just, just the way it's able to capture what you cannot articulate with words, I think is, um, you know, one of the many transcendent powers of, of music. So it just felt right.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it being your opening night and you are a jazz bar, uh, I think it makes sense to kind of kick things off with sort of Post bop, jazz, like straight ahead jazz. A- absolutely, and, and Herbie Hancock.
2: Yeah, Herbie. Herbie is absolutely one of our most played artists here, both as a, a band leader and his um, solo works, which are never really, you know, he's he's the name on the album, but you know,
1: you had Ron Carter. Yeah, on there. Anthony Williams Freddie and Ron Huber. Carter is like it's yeah. hard,
2: you're gonna be hard pressed to find a better. Uh, uh, rhythm section in 1965, All from
1: Miles Davis Quintet. Yeah, right, and yeah. Freddie,
2: you know Freddie Hubbard, uh, kind of standing in place in Miles on trumpet, and uh, George Coleman, who who doesn't really show up a lot in in this era, but uh, you know he he plays a mean tenor, so he's just like kind of a perfect fit. But yeah, Herbie Herbie is such an important piece of uh, our musical outlook and our kind of music programming both through his solo works and through his work with, you know, Miles Davis' second great quintet and, you know, his side dates with Grant Green in the early 60s. And uh, yeah, just, just a tremendous person and still making music and, you know, bringing people along from that era into the present and, and being a bridge to the young artists like, you know, Terrace Martin, and Kamasi Washington, and, you know, seeing their adoration and respect for him and his ability to kind of lead them to their positioning now as the, the, you know, avant-garde and mainstays of contemporary jazz is, is just really cool to watch and really cool to see. So we love Herbie so much.
1: I do too. You know how I feel about Herbie. I am partial to his jazz funk era for sure. You all, know, if you know me, you know that. But I do love this album. It's it's beautiful and
3: melodic and very lush. I have to say, I just put two and two together that this entire album is about the sea. <laughs> oh yes, um, which is fortuitous because part of the reason I started Bar Shoot. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know, and part of the reason I opened the a name bar... of the song
2: is "Made in Voyage." Yeah,
3: I. I <laughs> together everybody. Uh, <laughs> but like I genuinely Could went into airplane. this industry t- twofold. One because I want to retire at a boat. But two, <laughs> my, one of my future dream jobs is to bartend on the SF Ferry. <laughs> oh that's right. <laughs> and play records at the same time. So this is.
2: It's, it's good to have goals Serena. It's
1: great. It really is. <laughs> Never give up on your dreams. I mean that,
2: that is just such a perfect like microcosm of
1: <laughs> I love it. Bring, bring your whole self to this show, please. Yeah,
2: you got <laughs> uh, it. I, and just, just before we move on to it, just yes. like there is so much for me emotionally wrapped up in that song and that night because it was just like such a Oh, flood. I hope It doesn't
1: give you PTSD. No, no. In, in a really
2: good way. I mean, like it's a little triggering, but, uh, but also like feels, I don't know, really, really good. Like a rush of, um, yeah, just just warmth and, and emotion that is um, yeah hard to hard to articulate, but. Um yeah, we, when we opened our doors it was like a crazy first night. I mean, there was just people everywhere pulling the records out of the wall and
3: Oh, that's the, right. The sign yeah, drinks on speakers. drinks
2: on speakers. We the didn't know what we were doing. I mean, that was yeah. that was the thing. It was just like this whole the whole thing has been such a learning process and that night was was a good um, example of that, but it was yeah. also such a I mean, all our friends were here. Uh people people were so excited to be here and it, it just it was surprising to us. Still feels surprising, and yeah, it's just it was it was something that was in, in, indelibly marked in uh, in our memories. So yeah.
1: So it, it takes five years to get it dialed.
2: It's not dialed.
1: No. <laughs> I think it's dialed. Yeah,
2: I think so too. <laughs> I mean, we you know we we practice uh, the, the there's a there's a Japanese term called kaizen, which is uh, it means like continual improvement. And while I don't think we, you know, are in here tweaking every little thing every day, I think there's something really important about that concept that it's like, it doesn't mean you can't ever rest and relax and, you know, enjoy the fruits of your labor. But I think it means like taking a look at the scope of things and figuring out how you can. It's a little better, make the experience a little more enjoyable for people who are coming here, make it a better place to work, make it a, a, a stronger piece of the community. So I don't know. We just we we love that kind of approach.
1: You're never good enough. You can always be better. That's what that's I that's heard. That's right. Okay. Uh all right. We are um we're gonna be jolted out of our bliss a little bit and into a place of action. Uh, the year is 2020, not a year that people like to reminisce about, but uh, out of hard times sometimes comes great music. But we will never show- second selection comes from this record right here. This is Salt. The album is
3: untitled Black Is.
1: Shereen, Dan, take it away.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess the the context for this album dropping, and we had, you know, already been like huge fans of Salt since since opening kind of days. Um, But June 2020, as we all know, was tumultuous. Um, We were three months into the pandemic. I mean, our lives consisted of coming here on a Friday and packing up bottles for a few loyal people that ordered delivery and sending Sammy, our original bar manager, out to deliver it. Um, And then we would stay here and Dan would DJ on Twitch and I would move the furniture to my perfect place and just be the only customer. (laughs) And I'd bartend for myself. Um, And salt was just like such a, when it when when we were really sad and didn't know how we were going to navigate things, SALT was just such a perfect antidote. And then it was also against the backdrop, you know, of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd um, being killed and, and all the protests around police brutality rising and sort of figuring out how we can come together safely to create a movement around that and join that and participate both personally and as a business Um and I don't know, this album just really, it was uh, it was just very poignant and perfectly timed to that moment, and we played it a lot. It was kind of our fuel, I think, for that year um, from a musical perspective. Um, so, I don't know, that's kind of my personal feeling with it.
2: Yeah, one, 100%. I mean, it, it was absolutely the soundtrack to that summer. Um, again, wrapped up in so much Charged emotion, I think, as most great protest music is. Um, you know, it dropped on uh, Juneteenth, 2020. So, mm-hmm. literally, three weeks after George Floyd's murder, um, everything just felt like it was falling apart mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and the lyrically, it, it's, it's, it's too much. Like, yeah. it's it's so much. And I, it, it harkens back to the best protest music, you know? I mean, it harkens back to Marvin Gaye and uh, Sly and things like that that just, like, capture this despair but do it through th- some of the most compelling, funky, soulful music that you've ever heard in your life, you know? And, and to to be able to capture that pain but express it with such almost joy is something that, that I, I am just absolutely in awe of, and it does move me in, in a way that, that is, yeah, just there's nothing else that can move me like that.
1: Uh, so the last thing I will say about that album, if you haven't heard it, uh, the very first track on it is called Out the Lies, and that is actually a, a Black Panther Party chant. Uh, So it kind of ties it back to
2: Oakland. Yeah, I mean, Salt is such a phenomenon. You know, they they released two albums in 2019. They released this album on June 19th, 2020, and then released the follow-up, untitled Rise, in September of that same year. So, like, the prolificness and... You know, Inflow and Cleo Soul and, uh, you know, that the whole crew, um, just their ability to channel what was happening into their work, I think, is truly remarkable. And, you know, as Brian and I were just talking for a second, and it will forever, at least for me, and I know for a lot of people, will remain the soundtrack to 2020. You know, when, and, 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 you know, Brian was just saying when they're making the documentary about that summer, it, oh. Salt's going to be the soundtrack. Oh, you know, It just kind of has to be yeah. with maybe some Run the Jewels thrown in.
1: It's kind of hard to segue from something like that. Um, but I do want us to get back to a moment of joy. Um, So let's talk about the intersection of jazz and hip-hop, because I know that's your sweet spot. Um, I'm going to hold up the album, and I know you're all going to know it. Track number three comes from The Low End Theory by A Tribe Called Quest.
3: And get mine, underline the jazz. The what? The jazz move that ass for the tribe originates that the universe is now, bless the bumpers on the ground, and the one six below. You didn't have to go,
2: so say that I'm a sensei, cuz I was hacked at orgy, and sometimes for bunters, I eat grits and porgies. If this is a stinker, they call me a stinker. Ask, let's check it
3: out. All my people's in Queens, you don't stop. Not all my people. Tell me about this.
1: You could have chosen any, literally any song from this album, and it would have been awesome. But you chose,
2: yeah, we chose uh, jazz. We've got. Yeah, I mean, the intersectionality of jazz and hip-hop is, is certainly a, a, a piece of why we chose this. Um, you know, we like to talk about how we program music is a focus on jazz in all its eras, expressions, and forms. And to us, that certainly encompasses hip-hop, and in particular, early 90s hip-hop, uh, native tongues, uh, De La, Jungle Brothers, and Tribe. Uh, we're at the forefront of that movement of using, you know, mostly the kind of 70s jazz, funk, blue note stuff, Miles Brothers, mm-hmm. Donald Byrd, uh, Jimmy McGriff, uh, Grant Green, directly sampling those records for the beats and the productions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, not only is it just literally jazz. Yeah, (laughs) It's, uh, from a creative mindset of like taking what came before it, filtering it through the lens of your own experience and offering up something brand new, but that, but that has the same value and the same power. Hip hop 100% did and continues to do that. So for us, hip hop is jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, some, sometimes we'll be, playing hip hop in here. And it was more in the early days because I think now people understand our, our view, our broad scope of what jazz actually entails uh, for us anyway. Um, but yeah, there were times when people came up and we were listening to tribe or day law or something. They were like, Oh, are you guys going to play any jazz? Like we (laughs) thought this was a jazz bar, you know? And it's like, I think that's a, a, a misconception that we've worked to, um, Overcome. I think, yeah. like you know, we're sitting in front of this massive wall of vinyl, and we're very kind of uh, cognizant of what's facing forward yeah. because it's not just Blue Note, Impulse, Cadet, Argo. It's not just what many people would consider traditional. I'm doing air quotes for for radio. Air quotes. <laughs> the quote. Air quotes. Jazz. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's. It's hip-hop, it's soul, it's funk, it's um, everything that has that creative mindset of delivering something new uh, to us is, is in the jazz realm.
3: I just love the feeling of the record. Um, you know, it's one of those where if I'm hosting and we're just kind of, moving real fast, and it's a busy happy hour, and the place is packed, and it's bustling, and you put that album on, it's just this, like, warm, cozy feeling comes over the space, and everyone just, like, is immediately relaxed, like, on a sunny day at the park, uh, regardless of what's happening outside or inside here. So, you know, on top of, obviously, like, loving A Tribe Called Quest and, like, loving their music, I particularly love the feeling it kind of, evokes in this space um, and and the emotional energy it brings to the space. Because it's just sometimes you're just like, you know, you're just like ready for that kind of like happy, fun, chill vibe. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it brings New York,
1: New York City for sure. being from New York, that's what I really like about, or one of the things that I really like about it. Uh, as we were prepping for this podcast, there was a very cryptic note from you about how this reminded you of something that was written on the wall on the sheetrock. Do you have a story to tell? Yeah, about Yeah, so
2: so this this space was an empty concrete box when we looked at it, and and um, when we started to build it out, you know, they they you put up frames before you put up the sheetrock, um, and when when the frames were up, but before the sheetrock was up, um, we had we had a, a friend in, um, and we were just like, you know what, we need to like leave some messages for posterity in the walls, oh, you know, so we, we were like, okay, let's make it. So, you know, song titles, uh, is, is the assignment. And we just kind of went around with a, with a, you know, fat tipped Sharpie and just kind of wrote stuff on the, on the walls. And, uh, right behind the bar, uh, it says jazz we've got, uh, nice. just because, I mean, for me too, just anecdotally, like, I mean, tribe is top five for me all time genre agnostic, like top five, uh, low end theory was one of the first three CDs I ever bought and it has stayed in my life on heavy rotation since that day. Um, so it's, it's incredibly meaningful for me just in terms of my musical lexicon and, and what has carried me through various stages of my life and it's just it's an impeccable album um and 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 midnight marauders you know following up a few years later same i could i could have picked anything from midnight marauders too mm-hmm. um they just you know r.i.p Five. you know it's uh yeah they're just they're just one of the one of the goats
1: well when the apocalypse comes uh we've got jazz and it's written behind the walls so Okay, so uh, the song we are going to play next, um, it's from an artist and an album that you are probably a lot less familiar with than Tribe. Uh, But if you live in Oakland and if you love Oakland, this is a piece of music history you should know. Uh, I don't have the prop because it is on the wall where it should be. Um, The artist is Calvin Keys. The album is called Shanique. He's right next to Amy Winehouse and Kamasi Washington. Uh, Dan, Shereen, tell tell me about tell us about this album or about
3: the song that you're going to play. Um, I can't remember how we got introduced. Um, they may have reached out. You'll have to tell that story, but. Uh... It was last year's anniversary, um, and we decided to just do like a week-long series of music events. And one of them was an album listening event with Calvin Keys, who it was my first introduction to him. I didn't I didn't know him. I didn't know he was this like Oakland jazz legend that had been such an impeccable artist for so long. Um, he brought. All of his friends. They took over the entire side. He spoke. We played his albums, and since then, I've just fallen in love with his albums, particularly that one. And whenever we go to another hi-fi bar to play records, which we do from time to time, I take it with me. Um, it's just like religiously in the record bag because I not only do I like taking a piece of Oakland, but I think it's just a, it's just a beautiful album. Um, but it also for me, it one of the things I love about this place that you don't get at very many bars, if I can speak positively about my own place, but like (laughs) Please do. um, It's a place where it is multi-generational. It's, you know, at any given time it could be People from the age of 21 to 85 in here. And that was very much a night like that. And I loved it. And it was, it's just something that I don't think we get access to a lot in this day and age when you're going out, which is like people from like every single generation who love music and like being in the space, in, in the same space together. Um, so I don't know. It was a, it was a a really beautiful night. He's such a lovely, incredible person. And it's just been such a gift to like be able to have this album in our lives um, since then.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was an album listening party and his birthday. So it was, it was just, the place was just filled with elders and, you know, he's just such a, as Shireen said, just a lovely person. He and his wife are just, like, great people. Um, came out on Black Jazz Records, which was founded in 1971 by Gene Russell. Uh, short-lived, they only were around for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 or so albums. Pretty much all incredible mm-hmm. and and widely slept on. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, Real Gone Music did a, a reissue of the full catalog recently, so that you can find... Everything on vinyl now, yeah. um, including Shawnique and uh, Calvin's other caution. other album on on Black Jazz, which is Proceed with Caution, mm-hmm. um, which are both amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's just another glimpse into the incredible music history of Oakland that I think a lot of just gets widely um, it's just widely underrated. Um, and consistently underrated. And, and I think the more you dig into it, the more you discover of like, oh, how much of this stuff is just incredible and impactful. Chester Thompson, who released an album on black jazz, like the guys from Tower Power saw him play once and they were like, hey, do you want to be in the band? So that he was like in Tower Power for the entire 70s after releasing his black jazz record. Nice. Um, yeah, just a, a cool story, an amazing label, and the whole ethos of the label was to promote uh, young black artists who were underrepresented and under-resourced. So w- uh,
1: Yeah, and that, and that was happening in the early 70s where it was kind of happening around the country where there were these uh, independently run artist collectives and independently run labels of black jazz musicians who wanted to make spiritual and social music um, and so they just started their own labels, uh, Strata East in New York City, as one example. But I think that one is pretty well known. Not 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 very many people know or appreciate Black Jazz records here in Oakland. So um, it's pretty fantastic that Real Gone reissued their whole back catalog, uh, and that you have some of those records here for people. Yeah, to... we
2: we have a bunch. I mean, I we, we we love it. It's such such great music, and and to your point too. I think at the time. Uh, When Gene Russell started Black Jazz Records, uh, he had a partner, but it was the uh, first time in the 50 years of recorded music that a label was owned by a black man. So, like, that's just, one, insane, and two, like, hell yeah, Gene. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Shall we go ahead and play the song? Uh, So this is the title track, Shawnee.
3: Gorgeous guitar work. I wow. you know it's like a walking down Telegraph and meandering your way to the lake on a warm sunny day. That's how I think of that song.
2: <laughs> still, still making music, still playing guitar, um, still playing out at, at, you know, still making uh, records. And uh, his great nephew is also Terrace Martin, so what? he's, he's going to be on some like upcoming, like. Dinner Party and Terrace Martin releases. He was here, and he was just like, oh, yeah, I was, I was just down in L.A., and, uh, yeah, my great-nephew said, come on by the studio. I was like, oh, who's that? He's like, oh, you I mean uh, Terrace? You know Terrace Martin? I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, fun fact.
1: Talented family. All right, uh, so speaking of amazing guitarists, we are going to talk about your fifth and final song. Vieux Farkatouré and Crongbin, so it's a collaboration. The album is called Ali. Uh, Ali Farkatouré is also a famous guitarist who is the father of Vieux. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I, I took French.
2: I think you nailed it yeah. way better than I was going to say it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Vieux Luxe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell us about the song you selected on this album.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, one, we just picked our favorite song off the album, but the album kind of represents, um, a lot of what we love about the space and the kind of music discovery that, that we still engage in, in this space because we invite selectors in, uh, pretty much every Wednesday uh, throughout the year, two seasons during the year, and and often otherwise, too. But um, our Selector series has uh, become a really beautiful night. Uh, it's all about community and bringing in uh, artists, creatives, chefs, DJs from the Bay Area to Share their selections in the way that we play music, which is records in their entirety or at least full sides. So uh, we actually heard this album because our dear friend, uh, Chef Sarah Kiernan, and uh, a select no, se- lover. select five alum, uh, played it, and it was like mid last year. And Shireen was like, "Oh my god!" She came out and she's like, "What? Is, what is this?" I was like, "I." Had, not really sure. It sounds like Krungbin, but I'm sh- I'm sure I would have heard of it. I mean, <laughs> come on. And uh, sure enough, uh, it came out in 2022, and had not heard of it. And so Sarah put us on, and we immediately bought it. And um, yeah, it's just a great record. I mean, yeah, it's it's a homage to Ali Farkhoutori, who is uh, Vio's father and a, and another famous Malian. Uh, singer, songwriter, guitarist, and the album is all covers of Ali's music interpreted by, uh, Krungbin, the, the amazing trio from Houston, uh, and, and and his son, Vio Farcatore, and they recorded it uh, kind of in a, a couple sprawling sessions and then brought the recordings to the broader family, many of whom are also musicians, um, and had them select the versions of the songs that appear on the record. So it's just a, a, another... It's a family affair. A, absolute family affair and just a really cool representation of, again, that bridge from past to present that I think a lot of great music... Um, can can lead us to uh, putting you on to older things reinterpreted through uh, the talent of of the current or the future you know generations of of artists and musicians. So yeah, it's just a it's just a dope, beautiful record. And um, yeah, so you want to talk about Silent Sunday?
3: Oh we I mean we've played Crenben throughout our time here. And I'm also a fan of Vio Parcatori. Um, I'm also a huge fan of anything Sarah plays. She's a resident selector along with Pam. They're the only people allowed to play track by track in this uh, bar yeah. alongside Daniel. Uh, so just a little fun fact. Um, and. You know, we we played it recently at a silent Sunday and it was just like so perfect and so hit, which silent Sunday for folks that don't know is like you can't talk, uh, which after a Saturday night is so glorious to have just complete silence in the space. Um, and I just I personally love the album um, because it just it, it's, it's a connective factor in terms of like global music for me. It's yeah. like the diaspora of all humanity. Um, it's like a common thread between, like, you know, I'm from Pakistan, and so, like, Middle Eastern Arabic music, all the way through Africa, all the way through the West Indies, which is where Sarah's from, not to mention, you know, London, Um and, and here, so it's just its just a really beautiful representation, I think, of how music is really the common thread of humanity, um, and in particular in Oakland, there's a lot of us that come from different places in this world or have parents that come from different places in this world, so I think... it's just so nice to have an album that makes you feel at home both in the place that you actually live but also in terms of your actual roots um so this is part of why i personally love this song
2: yeah and and silent sunday for us it's it's a new program that we're doing and at least once a month. I think we might start to do it twice a month because it's been so great and yeah. just, like, really well-received. And, you know, Shira was inspired by the Jazz Kisa uh, movement in in Japan, and a lot of those places are very hushed, and, and some of them... Uh, Lion is, is the famous one in Shibuya that's a zero-talking environment, and we wanted to kind of bring that vibe. You can't do that every night you can't do that on a Friday night in, yeah. in the United States, or really in a lot of places. It's just not the way that our it's not the vibe. It's not the way our culture works. It's just not the vibe. Um, but to be able to present that and be able to enjoy the stereo in its full analog glory, um, without the kind of chatter and without the kind of noise of the bar, you know, working, shaking, and ice, and you know, all all of the things that come with running a a, a busy bar. Uh, it's just a really beautiful afternoon, and um, yeah, the the this record was was a part of one of our recent ones, and it was a delight.
1: I would say that that was a note perfect sampler platter of the spirit of Barshiru, but I know that you you agonized you agonized over what songs, what five songs you were going to select, so. You can
3: make a playlist. Would you like to make a playlist to share with everybody? We will. We have one in progress from all the existential angst I had and attempts to change the playlist like eight times before this episode. It's
2: 487,000 songs long.
1: Cool. (laughs) Well, we're all going to love it. Uh, I like to wrap things out with um, asking my guests what they are looking forward to so what, what can we look forward to from you in 2024 um, that you can share publicly?
3: I think, obviously, it's just nice to have our little bar baby grown up uh, and just kind of... On its way, um, and just looking forward to continuing to like have the space flourish with the all the lovely, amazing people that uh, choose to work here, um, and maybe a new spot. Who knows? Maybe um, so that could be in the works. We will see.
2: Yeah, honestly, for for me, it's just you know more of sharing the transcendent power of music with people who choose to come and spend their time with us that's that's what it's all about
1: here here well may you survive many many multiples of five years for sure uh that's it you guys we reached the end of the program i want to thank you all for coming from the bottom of my heart huge huge shout out to brian douglas our technical director (laughs) you would not be hearing our voices without him also, huge shout-out to Kate Sullivan, our producer, who ran logistics yes. on this whole thing and on the whole podcast. Uh, I am Pam Torno, I'm the host. And uh, yes. if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, I humbly ask that you do. We have merch, actually. We have stickers and buttons, and you shouldn't leave here without taking some. Um, Legally required. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Let's party.